God, I pray that you would fill us, totally overflow us. We're so filled with the knowledge of your will, with the knowledge of your heart, with the knowledge of where you want us to be because we love you and we want to be part of what you're doing in this world. God, as we open this book, God, I feel like you want to just encourage us, cheer us on, ground us. Just give us this overflowing confidence in you. And so we pray that your spirit would teach strongly tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And they all said, Amen. Colossians chapter 2, we are going to back up just a little bit to verse 3 as we move forward. In him, in Jesus, are hidden. How amount of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? All. If you have your pen out, and please get out a pen right now, please circle that word, all. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So when we pray that prayer that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and knowledge, he has it all. There's nothing lacking in what he will fill us with. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you. And that's going to be a point tonight. Lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I'm with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and your steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Now to this week's text is, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, what's the admonition? So walk in him. So walk in him, walk it out, rooted and built up in him, and established strong in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. I love all four Gospels. In fact, that's one of the great joys of January 1st. Every single year, I open my one-year Bible, and I know for the next five and a half months, I'll be reading the Gospels every single morning. Me and Jesus, I'm following him around like a little kid. What are you doing today, Jesus? I want to see you. I want to watch you work. I want to know you better. I love it. And even though I love all four, it's Gospel of John for me. I'm telling you, that is my great love. And John the Apostle is one of my great heroes. I love his story. He probably came to the Lord when he was about 17. And a great time to come to the Lord. I wish I had to come to the Lord at 17. Who wants to say amen at that? Yeah, amen at that. It's bare a little pain out there, right? Some stupid decisions. <clears throat> But he came to the Lord at 17, followed him close, watched him work. I love that. And to his dying day, he had something called unshakable faith. Please write that down. He had something called unshakable faith. But it was not a faith in an invisible, unattainable, unavailable, faraway God. Absolutely not. Because he had seen him. He had touched him. He had watched him. That Christ, God in the flesh, he knew his Jesus. 
He saw how he treated children. He saw how he treated that woman caught in adultery. Love that story. Love it. He was so gentle, so wise, so firm when he said, follow me and you won't walk in darkness anymore. Good advice. I love how he treated the widows and so did John. He also, John, saw him calm the power of a storm. I hope you've seen that in your life. I hope he's done that for you. I hope you've let him do that for you, as a matter of fact. But as an old man, I love John best. I love that he was exiled to the island of Patmos because he was just too way too fire, on fire still for God, too passionate, too verbal about his faith. John did have an unshakable confidence in the deity and the majesty of Christ. Me too. An unshakable confidence in the power of Christ. An unshakable in the personal love of Christ. And an unshakable confidence in the restoring, rescuing, forgiving love of Christ. And that was part of our text for this week. But we're going to push the, the forgiveness of Christ a little bit into next week because there's just so much in this evening's message. That was the theme of the Gospel of John. And truth is, haven't you noticed, that is the, that is the, the message of this book of Colossians. We have seen all of those factors. So let us recap our confidence just because Just because, just because one of the reasons we're studying this book is that for the rest of our life, when we are challenged on some of these issues, I know where the Bible says, I know where the Bible says, I know where the Bible says, and we can turn right on, spot on to these pages and they're marked up and we own them now. That's what we're going to do. And so as we recap Colossians 1.15, He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Colossians 1, 6, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth. Genesis 1, 1 mirrors that. God says, in the beginning, it's God who created the heavens and the earth. It was God who said, let there be light. And there was light. Listen carefully to the Gospel of John in chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Well, that would be God, right? That would be God. And then it says, And the Word, the expression of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. And that would be Jesus. So what is the glory of God? It's grace. And what is the glory of God? That's truth. And when Christ dwells in us, his glory in those kind of ways, are manifest in our very ordinary lives. It's a wonderful thing. 
Colossians 2.6 says that you were therefore received Christ the Lord, so walk in him. That Christ, that glorious Christ, walk in him. Child of God, we must know our God with unshakable confidence. Life has storms, and life has sorrows, and love has problems, and life has struggles and confusing issues. But with this confidence, we can walk strong. We don't have to be shaken. Our roots can go deep and deeper and deeper. In fact, as the storms come on some trees, their whole instinct, they are hardwired for the roots to just sink deeper and deeper and anchor that tree against the storm. And storms are in our society. Oh, my goodness. We need that. And we can have that as we trust in him with faith, biblical faith. So why should we read the Bible? Look at your handout here on one page. Why should we study and memorize scripture? A.W. Tozer, the, the author of Pursuit of God, said, Our thoughts not only reveal What we are, they predict what we will become. We will soon be the sum total of our thoughts. Since this is true, we need to stockpile in our memory banks the true things of God. That is why, that is why we read the Bible. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We're writing out the scripture. We're thinking about it. We're praying about it. We're getting in our groups and we're talking about it. And then it lingers because over and over, it's registering these pathways in our brain. Jesus said then, when you know the truth and you have the truth, it will set you free. It will totally set you free. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed. Don't do it. Don't be conformed by the pattern of this world's thinking. But let your mind reprogram. So we're thinking these thoughts to the will of God. Colossians 1.8 makes a profound statement coming out of the chute with a big word. Beware. Beware. And what should we do when we see a word like that? Beware. (laughs) Like that little story, beware of the big bad wolf. Danger. There's certain things that are dangerous. Beware. And as we look up in the the top of our page, Colossians 2.8 is put in the Phillips translation. I'll read in the New King's. King James first, and then in the Phillips. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Phillips says, be careful that no one cheats you, spoils your faith through intellectualism, which is philosophy, high-sounding nonsense, 
Such stuff is best founded on men's ideas of the nature of the world and disregards Christ's. So what is philosophy? Simple definition. It's the way you view life. The way you view good and bad, right and wrong. It seeks to answer the questions. Where did I come from? What is the meaning of life? Why am I here? What happens when I die? So philosophy isn't necessarily bad. It's just when it's filled and distorted with man's concepts of this. Colossians 2.9 goes back to that truth, that rock-solid truth. For in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Put a star by that verse. Because that would be God. In Jesus is all the fullness of the whole deity of God. So, so, and this is where we're going to press this. So what's the difference between, for instance, Jehovah Witnesses? I don't know if you noticed, but they have their little stands everywhere. I mean, they're breaking my heart. I see these sweet little people, and they're standing there all the day long. They're knocking at your door. So what's the difference? We must know what the difference. Because they have a respect and even a fondness for Jesus, but they don't know him as the Lord and Savior and God. They don't. They believe Jesus was created, as pointed out by Murr, Lesson 1, that he was created, not is. He was created by Jehovah as the archangel Michael. And they believe that when Jesus was born on earth, he was mere human and not God in the flesh. But, but don't be angry at them. Don't be mad at them. Don't be annoyed at them. No, they have no Savior because of that. They're not cleansed by the blood of Christ. They're not born again. They're not rescued from darkness into the marvelous light. Don't be angry, but be passionate. Be passionate because they are cheated. They've been lied to. Somebody made it up. And you know what? You can't make it up. You can't make it up. New age, you can't make it up. You can't take a middle of, a little bit of this and a handful of that and a handful of that and have anything of substance. You can't make it up. John 3.16 says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He loves, he loves the new ager. Trust me, I was one. I was one. I had a pathetic handful of this and that. And, and half the time I'd forget what this was and, and that was. Yeah, just traveling that crooked road. God sent not his, his son into the world to condemn the world. The Phillips translation, translation puts it this way. Be careful that no one spoils your faith. 
through all of this idealism of man. So we're going to land real hard on one of my very, and I believe God's, one of God's pet peeves. It's a big one, and it's called evolution. And we're going to hit it hard here. And again, you can't make it up. That's just nonsense. It can sound like high-sounding nonsense, but it's still nonsense. Evolution is not science. Please write that down. It is a theory. Did you know that? It is a theory. It is somebody looking at stuff and going, I think, I think, I think, I think. It is just a theory, merely a theory. In fact, it contradicts science. Science has laws, laws about how it works. Science says that for something to be a proven scientific fact, it must be observable and it must be repeatable. Well, of course, no science, scientist living today was ever there when the, the universe was formed and when the first cell of a human or a, even a, 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 a little single cell was formed. They were not there, so it wasn't observable to them. And they can't reproduce such things. They can't re- reproduce the making of the universe, or they can't, cannot reproduce one living cell of a plant or a human. They can't do it. So, since these things, the things that they see, are, are so complex, then they add Thousands, first of all, they would add, well, that would take a thousand years. And then as scientists progressed in their knowledge of how complicated things were, then they said, oh, no, it probably took millions of years. Did you know they're now into the billions of years of how long things take? Because if something's impossible in a million years, we'll try to add a billion years and maybe then it would be possible. That's high sounding. What? nonsense. It is. I'm not trying to be cruel, but it's just, it's not good. It's not healthy. In, in 19, no, 1668, um, a certain theory was disproved. It was called spontaneous generation. Do you know what that is? That means there was non-life and then it, life appeared. That was spontaneous generation. You know why they believed it? Because they would have some rotten meat on the table. And if they left it there, because in the 1600s they didn't have refrigerators, then um, if you didn't eat it real quick, then it would have maggots. Yeah. And they didn't know where those maggots came from, and they're creepy. And uh, they just thought they came from nothing. Well, in 1667, uh, a scientist said, well, let's just, you know, watch this. Let's observe it. And the meat sitting there, you know, flies came, as flies do, and then later maggots. And he said, huh, I wonder if there's any connection. And so he let some of the maggots grow to full age, and they became 
flies. <laughs> oh, well. Well, spontaneous generation is no longer um, a theory. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's lingered. But I remember my, my junior high science teacher told me that, and he just thought it was brilliant. And we all thought it was brilliant. We felt like we had learned something really big. And then um, the next week, he needed to go on with the study of life and all of that. And, and it was right, I was in junior high when it, the law was passed that they could no longer teach creationism in the schools that they had to teach evolution, only evolution. And so my junior high teacher, he said, now I have to explain to you how the, crea- how the universe was formed. And he said, first of all, there was a little dense spot the size of the eraser on your pencil. And so we we're you know, paying attention. I really liked this guy. He was, he was a great teacher. And first there was a little dot in the universe, and it was very, very dense. <clears throat> And he said, and then it exploded. And then there was the universe. <clears throat> really, that's what he said. And then he, then he kind of went like this. He looked up to the sky and he was silent. Uh, I'm positive at about 60 seconds. Dead silence. And I, as a junior hire, sitting on the second row, you know what I thought he thought? To this day, I remember thinking, he thinks that's nonsense. (laughs) Honest. Honest. It's still nonsense. First of all, explosions don't don't create order and beauty at my house. (laughs) Every woman knows. That this just no, this isn't the way the natural world looks. If you turn the page of your handout, these are the four reasons why evolution cannot be true. First of all, number one, something cannot come out of nothing. It's a proven fact. Something cannot come out of nothing. Basically, this disproves the theory of evolution, unless someone like God decides to do it that way because he knows how to power pack a dot at the end of a pencil. Well, he did something miraculous with us. We were just smaller than the the head of a pencil. We were smaller than that at one time, each one of us. And then he caused life, to those cells to divide and divide, and he made us. So that, that small dot could never have done that without a creator God who was mighty and powerful. Number two, order does not come out of chaos. So order, beauty, stars, moons, beautiful galaxies, the Milky Way. That doesn't come out of chaos. Number three, life does not come out of non-life. That's a scientific fact agreed upon by every single scientist on the face of the earth. If they're a scientist, they must agree to that. And so why do they so willingly contradict themselves? 
The alternative explanation is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's God who did that. God is the author of life. So, so what do you think, what do you think and believe, so what you think and believe, these things have important consequences. Do you believe that? What you really think and what you believe. When people believe there is no God or creator, number one, they can make up their own rules. Some people like that better. They do. They want that. They're willingly ignorant. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But this is the condemnation, John 3, 18, that men love the darkness more than the light because their deeds are evil. Evolution fits very tightly in people's philosophy if they want to reject God. And even though they have to turn off part of their brain to do that, they're willing so they don't feel guilty. They make up their own wills. There's no accountability. Number two, and this is what I think affects many, many people, they also feel quite alone in the world. Quite alone when there's no creator God, no father God. Quite alone with no sense of help or meaning and purpose. Child of God, we need to put on our thinking caps. We do. This is a very important issue. Romans 1, 18 through 22 makes a profound statement. You'll see the start of it on the other page. Romans 1, 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, what? Suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they're without, what? Excuse. Because although they knew God, They didn't glorify him as God. They weren't thankful, but became fuel and their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Let me give you some statistics. 1962-1963, Supreme Court ordered that there would be no more prayer in schools. A child could not even pray personally and privately in school. From 1962 and 63, it's been illegal to do that. It is also at the same time that they brought in evolution as the mandated fact. I just saw a video with the statistics of this, what then happened. This is David Barton. If you've never seen any of his videos on our spiritual heritage and what happens when a society does that. 
teen pregnancy, unwed pregnancy was about this level. It kind of was level from every year. But immediately, in the early, mid-60s, 70s, it spiked straight up. Young pregnancies, girls 10 to 14, it was at a, a just, you know, it still happened. It was kind of an edible flow. It spiked straight up. Gangs, rape, imprisonment of teenagers, drug addiction was kind of level in our society. It went straight up. There are consequences to what you think. As a man thinks, so he is. This was a devastating feature for us. So, why is the man on the street in the laboratory, the woman in Alaska, why are they without excuse? Because they knew God. God, God paints his, his self in the skies. He does. The heavens declare the glory of God. Night after night, they pour forth speech. I remember... Being a broken teenager, I've told my story many, many, many times. As the first college class that I took at Orange Coast College, the, 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 the instructor heard, held up a Bible and he said, does anybody believe this Bible? I held up my hand because I had one. I had never opened it or read it, but I had one and I believed in it. He said, it's a, at my stated goal at the end of this class, no one will believe in this book. He said, religion is all about you, finding yourself. And, and in fact, the universe revolves around you. Well, I was 18, and that sounded pretty good. So um, I didn't go to church. I stopped going to church. I had stopped going to church. I quit my job. I quit college. I took all the money I had earned in my whole life and traveled around the country for two, two years. Into two years, I was Empty, broken, lonely, and afraid. Afraid of myself. And um, walking along the beach in the, the depths of the jungle of Mexico, a sunset so powerful, I fell to my knees. And I said, God, God, I know that you're real. And I don't know you. God is speaking, speaking, speaking. I love that. I love that. Um, I, I, I was a mess, but I remember it like it was yesterday because he didn't forget me. In Darwin's day, scientists did not completely understand the complexity of a single cell. They called it a simple cell, a simple cell. But now they know. That one single, simple cell has the approximate, moving, complex parts of a 727. So to think that a single cell could be spontaneously generated would be equivalent to saying a hurricane blew over a junkyard and voila, it will take you to Paris. No, really, I'm bringing it down to real, put on your thinking cap, uh, real tangible things. So, 
from nature, the illustrations are, are endless. And I want to spend the last five minutes just in my favorite part. I'm crazy about, about creation science. I am crazy about the creator and all that he did. It makes me fall in love with God over and over and over again. Think about it. Think about a bird. A bird. How could a bird evolve? Because first of all, they're little defenseless creatures. I mean, they're, they're helpless. And they have these skinny little legs. And, and if they lived on the planet with no wings and no ability to fly, dead bird. I mean, the cats would be, get them. I mean, anything could get them. Plus, they eat seeds. They have to eat almost their body weight of seed, seeds every few days. So they'd have to just be running nonstop to find enough seeds and birds uh, and bugs instead of being able to fly and get their food. I mean, put on your thinking caps. And the cheetah had to be fast with a keen sense of smell for them to survive from day one of their existence. If they evolved as slow, unable to smell, dull teeth creatures in the beginning stages of evolution, they would have died hungry. Dead cheetah. End of evolution. No more of that. And the hummingbird, of course, is one of my favorite, all-time favorite things, is uh, they have these little bitty wings. You know, how many times do you think that they flap their little bitty wings in a second? Eighty. Eighty in a second? Eighty times. Eighty times. (laughs) That's amazing. Plus, the red-throated hummingbird flies, migrates across the Gulf of Mexico 500 miles without stopping with those little bitty wings. First time he tried it, dead bird. (laughs) I mean, if he could only make it 50 times the first time he, 50 miles the first time he tried, again, dead bird. We need to put on our thinking caps. We need to be crazy, almost, almost super over-the-top crazy about creationism. At the bottom of your page on this sheet, there are some... I have found that I, I have a fortune in uh, creationist movies uh, that I've bought through the years. A fortune. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars, which I adore and I love. But... Um, you can now watch most of them on YouTube. If you enter YouTube and some of these keywords down there, you can watch some of the most amazing, um, amazing uh, videos with scientific information from creationist scientists, like how the Grand Canyon was created. Um, Evolutionists says it's the Colorado River. You look down and it's 4,000 feet deep. Down there, that little bitty river. Carve this. This is the problem that evolutionists have. Um, the Grand Canyon is on a plateau. Water doesn't go up and then cut a path. Water always goes down. Impossible. 
for the river to carve out the Grand Canyon because it's on a plateau. Over and over and over again. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can walk. We can walk on solid ground when we trust you and know who you are. We can put our roots deep into your marvelous love, into your wisdom, into your will for our lives, God. We can trust you that you speak truth to us. And no matter what nonsense is blasted out there, God, we know that you are always the last word. And so, God, I pray that you would cement these things deep in our hearts and our minds. And we pray and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.